0: Welcome to DevCast, brought to you by Devril Smith, the right people. DevCast is where property meets people, industry figures,
1: news and views, what it takes to be your best. So sit back, earphones on and enjoy this edition of DevCast. Welcome to Devil's DevCast, Devil Smith's audio series, which holds exclusive and thought-provoking interviews from professionals right across the real estate industry. My name is Andrew Devil Smith, CEO and founder of Devil Smith, and I'm really excited today uh, to introduce you to our guests. Firstly, because I'm joined by two absolute experts in their field, secondly, because they share some really, really interesting insight in terms of the world of office. I think a topic more prevalent than ever. So a huge thanks and welcome to Jerry, Jamie Hodari, CEO and co-founder of Industrious. Jamie, thank you. And Alan, CEO of the European arm of Industrious. Thank you both for finding the time to join me today. How are you both doing?
0: Doing well, thank you. Thank you, Andrew.
1: I'm great, very happy to be here. Um, and you, our listeners may be able to kind of deduce who's who by the accent, but I, 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 no. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll roll with it and, and it'll become clear, I'm sure. So, Jamie, if you don't mind, I'll start with you as the founder. Tell us about Industrious, just just
2: high level. What, what's the story? The founding story, or just let's start with what Industrious is today?
1: Well, I'm sure so many of our listeners know of you, but but they won't have heard from you who you are as an organization. I think it'd be great to hear it from the, the main man.
2: So we're a flex workplace platform where we have 160-something locations across 10 countries um, in 60-something cities. And the basic concept is we allow companies to buy their workplace experience from us as a product so we have a co-working business for teams of 20 and below we have much larger suites for for teams of up to 200 250 and then in a lot of buildings we also manage all of the common experiences and shared spaces of the entire building including for the long-term tenants of the building
1: and thank you i'm fascinated to hear the story of how did you what was the moment or how did you arrive upon the decision to make a play into this space
2: i was running a education organization actually uh, uh um uh, i was the ceo of an organization that ran universities in in east africa and our u.s offices were in a shared workplace because mo you know 95 of the staff was in east africa and i had a meeting with the president of ikea ikea the furniture company was our largest funder and I went to prepare for the meeting and the light bulbs were out and the conference room table was sticky and it just it didn't feel professional. So I moved it to uh, Le Pen Quotidien, the Belgian coffee shop chain, and Alain is actually Belgian. So this that it all it all came full circle. And that evening I was like, what is going on? I I, I I the most important meeting of my career, and I had to hold it in a coffee shop instead of my own office because the the quality wasn't high enough. And it just it felt to me like If I felt that way, there must be fifty thousand companies that wanted to take advantage of a more productized sort of shared workplace that you could buy in a subscription rather than signing a long-term lease, but that wanted something more professional, more elegant that they could be proud of. And my next-door neighbor from growing up, Justin, had had a similar experience. He was running the Chinese arm of—I mean, the U.S. arm of a Chinese real estate company, and we said, "Screw it, let's." Let's do this as a little side project, create create um, a more professional, more elegant shared workplace product. It really took off, really took off. And so after about a year, we left our day jobs and moved to running this full time.
1: So the education
2: company, yeah, I, we it. brought in a great CEO to, to, to succeed me. And it's now the organization has multiple campuses and is doing better than ever. So that worked out well, too
1: brilliant brilliant alan let's bring you in so belgian
0: yes absolutely and what jamie says resonates with me so if pro- if people have problems they turn to the belgians so that's that's, that's always great stuff so my name is alan Brosse. i think uh andrew you 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 missed my name You're I of the accent probably
1: I, I was reading my script which my team give to me and i didn't see the uh how do i pronounce it
0: so it's Alain Brosset, 50 year, 51 years old, about 20 years of experience in, in flexible office, uh, have been business development director at Regis for seven years, opening 700 buildings, co-founded tribes, uh, founded Welcome Meraki and proudly merged it with, with industrious under, well, the great CEO is within us. So I'm happy to mount or to 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 manage Europe together, together with a great man, which is Jamie. Let me ask you both.
1: I'm sure you'll have a similar answer, but how, you know, we've all been through, I, I try not to talk about COVID anymore, but uh, my view, you know, I'm my view on uh, office environment in a post pandemic world is that things have, must have and have to change. So where, you know, what do you see, the future of office space looking like in terms of demographics, product type? I don't know, just just, where are your heads in that regard?
2: Do you want to go first, And I think it's changed even more in the US than in Europe. So maybe let's start with let's start with Europe.
0: I think it's a good question. I think what was already pre-COVID a clear evolution of the office industry. It's the march towards flexibility which was not driven only by the pandemic, but was is driven by globalization, uh, insecurity, uh, recessions and economical downturns falling up quickly and quicker. Uh, So so the the cycles were getting closer and closer. So the demand for flexibility has always been there and it has grown tremendously. I think during COVID it has been reinforced. And actually it's, for me, it it was clear that the growth of flexible offers Has been driven by startups and consultancy companies before COVID, a little bit by enterprise, but it really took off during COVID for enterprise as well. And for me, it became clear that within a a facility strategy of any company today, flexible office is a structural part uh, for sure. And where landlords uh, are working together now, hand in hand, as an integrated offer towards buildings is, I think COVID has reinforced that for sure.
2: I think if your listeners are, you know, let's say primarily individuals and they're, they're thinking about this from a, for me, what will this feel like over the coming years? I think there's probably three observations. The first is in most parts of the world, we see an increasing acceptance of coming in a few days a week working from home a few days a week if they want, but more employee empowerment, putting choice in the hands of employees to decide where they do their best work and how they do their best work. The second, and this in part flows from that, is the availability of more choices. A lot of companies are setting up hub and spoke models where there's a central London office, but also an office in West London. and maybe in you know more sort of far-flung suburban locations you see that in a lot of parts of the world right now where people don't want to commute more than 10 12 minutes and so companies are saying well if you can work from home a few days a week if anywhere can be you know if you can work from anywhere then anywhere can be an office and therefore offices are becoming more of a network of spaces and that's true both horizontally across a city and also vertically within a building to Hélène's point there's a lot more especially of the 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 large office buildings are adding lots of different space types and shared amenities and so in the simplest sense what i would imagine is people are going to move from 5 days a week i go and work at desk number 42 on the 19th floor of a building to uh more of a choose your own adventure style i work i work at that desk for a few hours a day then i go to a focus room then i go work in a soft seating area. Then I work from home. I go do yoga and work from home for the last two hours of the day. Then the next day, I work from home the whole day. Then the next day, I have a meeting. So I work at a satellite office after that meeting for three hours, et cetera. And that that overall, that, that sort of space type will become stitched into people's broader life rather than being this uniform space that sits apart from everything else they do.
1: And is this driven by employers or employees
2: like it, it, you know what's put- i believe the push towards flexibility that business proposition is by employers it's very hard to plan a headcount over a 10-year period which makes it very hard to sign 10-year leases it's very hard to rip space to the studs and build it out from scratch for seven million dollars when the final product doesn't look that different than any other white collar space. And so the business proposition of just buying a more productized workplace product, that's primarily driven by employers. But the desire to choose where you want to work and to work in different space types that are optimized for the type of work you're doing, that's very much coming from employees. And there's one of the great things that I think Alain and I have talked a lot about is there really is a democratization going on in workplace, the companies are getting much better at listening to what their employees want, rather than a more coercive model where they tell them this is how it's going to be, and I hope you like it.
1: Uh, look, I I couldn't agree with you more, and we 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 talk to employees of organizations more than most probably as a as a, as a sector, and uh, you know it's it's funny that you know now the first question most candidates ask us is not what's the job pay. But what is the organization's, you know, culture and mindset around location and? You know, I think out. a
0: lot of I think a lot of these changes are driven by by what everybody talked about pre-COVID. It was the war for talent. I think during COVID, we all know the war is over and talent won. So, I think that's why employers need to respond to to the talent, existing talent, and keep it, retain it but also attract new talent. So there's no more war. Talent one, that's for sure.
1: I love that. Alan, let me ask you this question because you had a very successful career pre-industrious, obviously, and you've chosen to join industrial. What is the special thing that's going on at Industrious that it's got you, your business is going like a rocket ship? So what sets you apart, do you think?
0: What sets us apart is that actually what I love about the merger of both the great room Industries and welcome in meraki is that we're, we're so aligned in strategy we're crazily aligned uh even being in three different continents it's 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 crazy how how like-minded we are how we look at business i think what drives us as a as a, as a brand or as a product different in the market first we are global now uh we're i think we're the best and I'm going to be a little bit arrogant now, I think we're, we're probably the best performing operator in the world. If you yeah. look at our KPIs or, or business KPIs compared to, to any operator in the world, the lowest churn, the highest satisfaction rate, the average contract length is higher in Europe than any other provider. Uh, the average deal size is bigger. So these are driven by by our, our a willingness to to cross the extra mile to do the extra mile for the people that reside in our offices, and and by our willingness to provide the best uh, workplace outsourcing for for these employees to make sure that what we bring to the table is a better a better environment that rubs off to the companies that reside with us. I think that's that's what drives my energy for sure.
1: Jay, I mean that's brilliant, uh, Jamie anything to add to that? What's the secret sauce?
2: I think the secret sauce is that it's a very big deal for a company to hand off what it feels like to walk into work every day as a GE employee or a British Airways employee, or for a seven person company, where the culture, you know, is handcrafted by a CEO that might have founded the business three years ago. And that experience they have in the workplace, if that's run by industrious, it's a very big deal. And I think for a very long time, a lot of our competitors viewed this as it's quick, it's cheap, it's, you know, it's people do it because they don't have another choice. They can't sign a long lease. And I really think we're the first uh provider. And certainly at this level, uh, you know, really the, the global provider that says we want to honor that fact and we want to deliver a, a workplace experience that's every bit as good, if not better than if you had done this yourself and in most outsourcing industries, you know, whether it's. Amazon Web Services doing your data storage instead of having your own servers or UPS or DHL doing your logistics instead of doing it yourself. The people that win in the long run are the ones that are able to say it's not just cheaper or or easier or faster. It's just as good, if not better than when you do it yourself. And I do think that is still very rare in our industry. It's hard to find providers other than industrious that I would say meet that test, not to be, I don't know puff ourselves up too much but i that, that's certainly been my observation
1: and can i ask you obviously i'm slightly biased and i always come at these things through a people lens you know i know you d- deliver amazingly beautiful buildings great design great furnishings but talk to me about the people within the buildings and and how you know how important is that and how do you how do you drive consistency this 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 special feeling globally that's got to be so challenging
2: well i one piece of context here and alan obliquely mentioned it is Alen was the ceo among other things he's founded a company called Welcome and meraki and we merged with Welcome and meraki for the european operations about three months ago So it's an interesting time to be talking because it's a really exciting period where we're saying, well, how do you do this? Well, how do we do this? And trying to pick the best of how each company has historically done it. Um, And so our answers might be slightly different, but I can say for industrious historically, um, we think of it as a pyramid, basically, that for the individual in the space, in order to have a great workplace experience, you have to be At the bottom of the pyramid, comfortable, then empowered, then focused, and then once in a while inspired. And so if you're those four things, if you're in a space where you feel comfortable, you feel like you can be at home, and you're empowered, rather than being told, you have to sit at this desk, come hell or high water, you have the choice of where to be, you have the choice of, I don't want to hear that person talking about the date they had last night, so I can go to a silent sensory deprivation focus room or something like that if you're able to focus, and then not every minute, but at least a few times throughout the day, you have a enlightening experience or something that inspires you, you're going to have a great workplace experience. And that's everything we build from the physical design to the service to the digital experiences support that pyramid I just described.
1: And Alan, what's the attraction to to joining industrious you is you found it oh
2: sorry I misunderstood the question you mean for the for our own employees why no, no, what no, how no, do you no,
1: oh no, okay, okay
2: no Jamie sorry I'm just, okay.
1: just skipping along yeah. I'm conscious of your time and I've got okay. all these questions okay. to fire through. So um Alan you know what? why if you don't mind Jamie why do the deal you know what, what 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 was the driver for you to say yes let's um let's let's merge get married and Uh,
0: and go for it I get a lot of kids (laughs) 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 well (laughs) well it's growth it's my passion for growth I'm probably I'm probably the worst CEO in the world where there's only consolidation I'm probably best in my place where growth is is the parameter so we're we're building we're building further on a global network which is relevant for 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 our customers the reason why I because it's not simple. I think it's a good question. If you're, a, if you're an entrepreneur, it's a choice. Gonna am I going to say an entrepreneur or am I again going to work for somebody, even if if you become an investor or, or, or a shareholder in, in that same company? It's working for somebody. You can only do this if you if you know that there is added value at the end of the table. And that's and, and it's there, definitely. It's amazing, even. Secondly, what's the future and how can you grow the company? I think one of the, one of the main reasons for me to do this is the strategic alliance with CBRE, to be honest, as, as we are not only a flexible operator and we perform well, et cetera, et cetera. I think we're the only operator, and that's attractive for me, which is fully uh, consolidated with the real estate ecosystem we're actually sitting on the same tab- side of the table of landlords. And we deliver a product, which not only respond to the Maslow pyramid that Jimmy just explained in terms of, 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 of uh, employee experience, but actually we're also very relevant to companies because every aspect that we provide is, is in relation to what companies need, redundancy, uh, confidentiality, security, access control, et cetera, et cetera. And doing this together, Adding our products together and performing the better product, being more relevant to to a, a world of customers, not only the US, not only Europe, not only Asia Pacific, but going going really global and having a partner uh, with us that that takes us that way and and and, and can co finance it and and actually can also challenge us as a shareholder is is I think one plus one plus one becomes seven at a certain point of time and then you don't have to doubt anymore
1: well i'm glad you referenced the cbre um you know, deal and involvement because it was going to be my next question but it was it, it i couldn't think of a good question around it because it seems so obvious in 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 the, in, in the most positive positive sense you've just articulated it really well it's like you you know the marriage seems to be a bit of a no-brainer and um your acceleration is clear for all to see. So, Jamie, back to you. Where's the business going? You know, can you give three years, five years? What does the organization look like?
2: I think we are moving towards a world where companies are going to, outside of maybe their large headquarters, they're going to buy their workplaces as a subscription product from companies like Industrious. It's just the the ratchet in outsourcing industries like this tends to only move in one direction. And if you say, look, I can get this for the same price, if not better than I do it myself and a better outcome, it would be insane for me to go spend, you know, sign a a 10 year lease and spend a year building out of, you know, space from scratch, et cetera. And if that is going to happen, which again, I think it will, it will consolidate into three maximum four global platforms. If you look at, any adjacent industry, three companies have 90% of the global revenue. So five years from now, there will be three, maximum four global platforms that dominate the space. IWG, WeWork, I think us, and perhaps one other. And we will be the one that the companies that care most about their employee experience pick. I don't think that's up in the stars. I don't think that's, you know, living in la la -la land, that's representative of what's already happening on the ground today, but obviously spinning it out to a future where there's a lot of consolidation and you see a less fractured industry and a more consolidated one, but in logistics and manufacturing and data storage and financial payments. I mean, in in anything where it's a big B2B business like this, that is the sort of where the end state tends to be. And I think it's going to be wonderful for employees. Um, um, a lot of choice. If you live in London, the ability to pick from 20 different, you know, spaces across the city, depending on where you are that day versus having to commute to the same spot all day, every day, I think is going to free up people to live the lives they want to live.
1: I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm literally jumping up and down on my seat, excited for you. <laughs> you know, I can, I can, I, I I I couldn't agree more with how you see the future. And it must be truly exciting for yourselves and, and everybody within the business to just know you're you know you're gonna move so fast and the future's so bright. Can I can I, sorry, Jamie, were you gonna say
0: something?
2: I was just gonna say, given the theme of the podcast and 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 you know, um growth is really exciting, and it is true from a business point of view it's exciting to be in a fast growing business and also it can paper over cultural issues sometimes like people think oh well if it's a rocket ship who cares where you're sitting on the rocket ship and who cares how you're compensated and and who cares if you have a good manager or not and i think that's that's something that that i've that both alan and i feel is is a mistake that if a business is growing extremely quickly it's not that that hyper growth obviates good management. It's not that that hyper growth obviates having to have a great culture. Everything is harder when a business is growing this quickly. You have half the employees in any given time started in the last nine months. You have products that didn't exist the year before, and therefore you have to keep reinventing processes. And that can be painful and frustrating for people who like constancy and predictability. And therefore, I think companies like us need to be even more focused on having great managerial techniques, on having a inclusive, supportive work culture, not that they can sort of ignore that because, you know, kind of the rising tide floats all boats or something like that. So that is a huge focus for us. And I think for people thinking about their next job, they should think follow very hard about that. that just because it's a hot fast growing startup just doesn't mean you don't need to push a little bit on what it is it actually an going to feel like not to work once, there every
0: not day not once not twice not anytime 100 that's a great point and it leads me i'm really conscious of it. your time you, you, you're and,
1: both and very that's, and that's busy guys and you in general as well. it's not only a position in
0: a job it's not only about delivery of that job it's not only about one top tip you want if you were talking just follow your dreams and never never ever 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 ever
2: ever give up ever
1: would you
2: Perfect, Jamie? I have a very concrete piece of advice, but it's not uh, it's not that inspiring, but I think it is it is helpful, which is uh earlier in your career, I think it is very important to figure out how to sell. Um, and I I can I can explain why. So first, I started in high school as a telemarketer. Alan started his career. In sales. Neither of us are salespeople now. But what I noticed, for example, I used to be a corporate lawyer. And the other lawyers who started with me or in our class, we were 23, 24 years old, uh, all said, I want to be the best lawyer I can be. And those who stayed in law, they started to rise up the ranks. They started, and then it was time to decide whether they're going to make partner or not. And no one cared if they were a good lawyer or not. They cared how much client billing they could bring in and the people who had cultivated an ability to win business became partner and the people who are a great lawyer but couldn't actually do business development languished and weren't able to and i could point to any field including engineering or fields that you would never imagine involve it where that's true and so i think instead of thinking of business development or sales or something as something icky or or oh that's slimy or that's not for me i would argue anyone starting the career Whatever path it is, it is going to involve having to advocate, having to persuade. And the earlier you can accept that and try to cultivate that and get good at that, it will be a magnifying, supercharging effect on your career. I love it.
1: Love it. Yeah, yeah. 100%. 100% now. We have less than three, four minutes worth of, of, of left of your time, Jamie. I'm not sure if you've been briefed on this, but chaps, but we play something called quick fire questions when we wrap up these podcasts. Okay. Are you, up, are you up for playing? Sure. I mean, and I should, I always, I now have to declare, I don't write these questions. Okay. <laughs> I'm reading them now
0: going, oh. No, you're already protecting yourself. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I yeah, I'm just. Anyway, are you up for it? We're going to play this game. Sure. So, I I think I already know the answer: Belgian chocolates or Hershey's Kisses. I've never heard of Hershey's Kisses. I I presume that's uh, a thing.
2: Belgian chocolates, Alan. I I, I I concede that to you.
0: <laughs> tons of it.
2: Tons, tons <laughs> of it. <laughs>
1: and Belgian is Swiss Swiss chocolate better than Belgian chocolate, Alan? You're going to say no.
2: i wish your listeners could see the look on his the look of horror on his face right now he literally went for the button i thought (laughs)
1: um next question luxembourg gardens or central park
2: i would love central park
0: yeah
2: central park i agree yeah there's more
0: dynamic yeah yeah more dynamic you have the boathouse there and there's a great museum next door okay
1: you're very aligned, as you said, Alan. This is going part <laughs> two. I'm I'm looking for a little bit of conflict, or okay, <laughs> uh, football or basketball. And when we say football, we mean soccer, Jamie. Just to be clear,
2: I want to give you some spice here, but Alain, you go first. I go for
0: football. I go day. for
2: football too. Any, I, day week, I, any day of
0: the week. Any day of the week.
2: I have I have basically, other than the one in Russia, have been to every World Cup since 1994. And I uh, wow. I, I, I want to keep up the streak.
1: Yeah. My. my. Um, if you had 1 million to invest right now in real estate, where would you put your money?
0: I would put it i would put it in in our company and i would put more and i would put probably everything
2: i love alan <laughs> i i i can't disagree with that i would probably do <sighs> I would I I don't disagree. We are 2% of commercial real estate right now and even the skeptics say that flex is going to be 30 or 40. So if you find an operator that's high quality and you believe in the management team, it's about as good of an investment as could be, but setting ourselves aside, I think mixed use real estate developments in highly walkable, highly dense areas. So the the modality of it's an office building, it's a residential building, it's a mall, as that goes away, the people who are nailing it's all of it in one, and you can move seamlessly back and forth between different use types. I think those buildings, it's hard to put a million dollars into one of those because it costs 200 million. But where are, we going? where are we going? Um, <laughs> no, that's great. It's a great point.
1: Favorite city break?
2: City break.
1: Yeah. So if you had a day break in a city, which city would you pick? I guess is the question.
2: Istanbul. Oh.
0: Oh, I love it as well. It's uh Eurasia. It's the, the the mix between Asia and but I will go for Venice. I will go for Venice only once every two years when there's the Biennale, the art fair, because I think architecture, uh, culture and art are three topics that inspire the mind and, and get you to a broader view. So I would I would go but I love Istanbul as well. I, would,
2: I, would... I will say our two cities are very connected. They yeah. were the, you know, a lot of the great Venetian yeah. artists in museums in Istanbul. It's getting now. boring now, guys. <laughs> sorry,
1: sorry. <laughs> <laughs> um, I ask this question of every guest, Bowie or the Beatles?
2: Alan? That's easy. It's, it's Bowie. I agree. It's Bowie. Three out of three. I totally agree. But,
1: I'm Bowie. aligning with you on that one. Final yeah. question, Jamie. I know you've got to go. So maybe... You you go if you go first, but if you could own one piece of real estate, one building in the world, which one would it be and why?
2: Oh, uh, this is very unique to me and close to my heart. But there is a there's an office building in New York City called Lever House, and it's just a classic mid-century glass box and. I just, for me, it's not just that it's iconic. It's that it has never been topped. It's the platonic ideal of an office building. And so it gives you a little bit of humility because people have spent billions and billions and billions of dollars for the last 70 years trying to top it and haven't. Great. Alan?
0: I would take the Louvre. I I would take the Louvre and, and use it I would open it for free for everybody. I would make sure that everybody, nobody has to pay to see art, and and de- and democratize art for sure. But also use the space for people to come in, to 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 think, to talk, to meet, to collaborate in 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 a building where archi- architecturally it's absolutely brilliant. It's probably the largest building in Europe it's it's it brings history back to life if you look at it and it's so rich in terms of what they have there in the art season. it would take you i think i think it was 16 years if you would spend one second on every art piece in the louvre it will take you 16 years to visit it i think that's a crazy stuff that's uh. So yeah, I would use it to open it up for free for people to get inspired. Yeah,
2: I don't know if you can tell from this podcast, but I think Alain is more ambitious than I am. If he owned the Louvre and I owned a random mid-size office building on a random block in New York, um, I, you know that would be I would I would be pretty jealous, Alain. Maybe I would change my mind.
0: Jimmy, if 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 I would own the Louvre, there's a, a great suite which is called the Suite of Marie Antoinette
2: okay that's for me will
0: okay. stay in that one thank you.
1: thank you i'm saying nothing guys i'm just gonna uh leave it out there look so conscious of your time i've really 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 thank enjoyed you. this I've, and uh can't thank you enough i hope that we meet in person sooner rather than later nice. and um i wish you continued success i mean it goes without saying that uh, that's what's gonna happen but you know inspiring really inspiring so thank you for your time thanks,
0: thanks for, for having Andrew. us Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
1: You can join the DS movement by visiting ds.devilsmith.com, and you will receive the latest DevCast episode direct to your inbox.